Hello friends, welcome to Running and Fitness with Raj. This show will bring you exciting and interesting guests and give you specific and actionable advice on your running, fitness and general health. Our guest today is world-renowned running coach Greg McMillan. Coach Greg holds a master's degree in exercise physiology and was a former champion runner. He has coached the entire spectrum of runners ranging from Olympians over 10,000 Boston qualifiers recreational runners and new runners. He has developed one of the most widely used running paces calculators and in addition is highly regarded for his diverse training plans. We are really honored and privileged to have uh, Coach Greg join us today. So welcome to the podcast, uh, Coach Greg. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, Thank you so much. So can we have you sharing a little bit of your athletic background, how you got into coaching uh, that'll be really helpful. Over to you. Sure. I started when I was quite young. I grew up in the country, and so we were quite active, always running and walking and bicycling everywhere. And as a result of participation in the different physical activity programs in school, I got selected to represent my school in the mile run at our county championships. And so I won that each year when I was younger. So, of course, the high school coach, he just watches the young kids compete. And he says, that's my discus thrower. That's my long jumper. That's my distance runner. So as a result, once I got a little bit older, I got invited to participate in the cross country and track programs. And that's where I really fell in love with the sport. I became state champion in high school and then went on to compete in college and have continued training and racing ever since. And I think because of my sort of passion for my own performance, I was happy to share what I was learning in school, studying exercise physiology, as well as my own training with anyone that asked me. And as a result, people started asking for a workout, then they asked for a training plan, and suddenly they call you coach. So it wasn't sort of an idea that I was going to become a coach. It just sort of naturally happened based on my passion for what I was doing. Okay, wonderful, wonderful. So uh, this leads me to my uh, next question, which is uh, you obviously trained academically as well in exercise science. You have a master's in exercise science and you obviously have a very rich experience in coaching a range of athletes from elites to everyday runners like myself. So what are some of the things that you have observed over the years in the real world which uh, you probably did not come across in the classroom. Yeah, it's really interesting because when you get in a laboratory setting, it's it's almost too sterile. You know, it's not the real, <clears throat> excuse me, it's not the real world. And as a result, you need this balance. You need a balance between what science is telling us with also what's going on with the actual athlete. And I was really lucky to have a foot in both worlds. And what yeah. I would see was that the exercise science could could guide us in a direction, but you had to be open that that was not always the the end-all be-all. You had to be open to how the athlete was feeling and what you were experiencing in the real world. So we saw a lot of times that athletes maybe needed to run more than science would say, or they need to run faster than science would say, or they need to run slower than science would say. So you really started to see that it you had to individualize 
these general principles or maybe what science was telling us. And I think that's what the great coaches always do is that they're able to tease out what does this athlete need versus this other athlete? Because science would say everything for everybody, right? Because a study yeah. just comes up with a conclusion. But we as coaches, we have to look and say, what does this athlete need versus a different one? So I think that openness to, you know, applying the principles that we learn from science, but also recognizing and respecting that everyone is different. They're a unique individual. They have a different life schedule. They have different goals uh, and, and work within that, per, those parameters. Okay. So uh, when, a, when an athlete approaches you, suppose somebody like me who's a, who's a new athlete who comes to you, how do you evaluate uh, their training, uh, training needs? You, you did mention in answer to the previous question that obviously science helps you in developing pretty individualized plans. So what are some of the things that you look at and how do you go about it? Well, first, we want to know sort of their training history. And so a lot of times what people have been doing in the past is very instructive for what they should do in the future, because most people find some things that work for them. In fact, most works for them. They find how many days per week works into their life schedule and keeps them injury free, or they find that they're running too much and they keep getting injured. Uh, we also find what their performance level is. So how do you perform at shorter distances like a 5k or a 10k versus how do you perform at longer distances like half marathon and marathon that gives us a clue as to you know how you are as a as a complete individual psychologically and physiologically we want to know that training and racing history and then we want to know what your goals are and what your life schedule is like and so kind of getting this complete picture of the runner from more of this the objective information, but then also the subjective. What is their life like? Are they really busy or are they not really busy? Uh, do they do their extra stuff like the stretching and core or is that something they don't do a lot? So that gives us information as to how we can work with that athlete. And from that, we're able to see where the athlete is lacking and then where their strengths are and then design the training to try to take advantage of those strengths, but then also work on their weaknesses and make all of that training fit into their lives. Because that's for a lot of people, that's the biggest challenge is they may know, oh, well, I should do all of this to be a good runner, but there's no way it can fit into their life schedule. So we have to kind of be efficient with how we prescribe the training, particularly for busy runners. Okay, which I guess is uh, most of the recreational runners who are trying to balance this passion with obviously their everyday work and life and family and what have you. So uh, once you have established that the frame, you know, the broad framework, uh, let's talk a bit about your overarching training principles. Uh, like I'm sure you have a few which generally applies to most people. Uh, so what are these overarching uh, training principles? Well, ultimately, it comes down to something I learned from the great Arthur Lydiard. He was called the coach of the century for the 2000s. And I got to tour with him 
um, oh, for the 1900, excuse me, I got to tour with him. So I learned a lot directly from him. And he always, he kind of talked about do the training so you can do the training. So you can finally do the training that you need to do to achieve your goals. So that's the overarching principle is what, what are the, what is the training the athlete needs to do to meet her goals? And then can she do that training right now? Usually not. So we have to step back and say, what's the preparatory training that can get her ready to handle the training that will get her to her goal. And sometimes she's not ready for that. So we have to take another step back and say, okay, how do we build this athlete that ultimately can do the training for the goal? Because most of us, I mean, if you came to me and you said, I want to run X, you know, some time, I could say, well, this is the training you need to do. But are you able to complete that training? And so we have to kind of make it stepwise. So I find building the athlete over time so that she can handle that type of training. I also find making it fit into the life schedule is really important. And we do everything. I would I would call it like cautiously aggressive in that okay. we're cautious because running injuries are what foil most runners. That's our number sure. one enemy is injury. So we have to train cautiously so that the musculoskeletal system, which adapts the slowest of all the systems that are developing while you're running, we have to train at a, a rate that the musculoskeletal system can adapt to. But then we can be aggressive in specific workouts, maybe our key workouts or our goal pace workouts or whatever our focus workouts are for that particular phase of training. We can be aggressive on those so we get a big fitness boost, but we're cautious in the overall training load so that you stay healthy. Because if you can stack three months, six months, a year, two years of consistent training together, then you can really see how good you can be. But too many of us, of course, we start training, we get excited, we get fit, then we get injured and their fitness goes down. And we repeat this cycle over and over. So a lot of times when athletes start working with me, they, they're, they're chomping at the bit. They want to do more and more. I say that's coming. Of course. Let's make sure we stack these successful weeks together. Let's end the injury cycle so you can consistently train. That typically means you train a little bit less than you might want to, but sure. you're able to do it for more often. And then I insert those uh, specific workouts where you can sort of challenge yourself. That's when we see a big fitness boost because you've got a better base of training and then you're getting more of those sort of every three, four, five days, you're getting an exposure, which really causes a, a big fitness boost. So that's kind of the philosophy is I know what training you should do. I just need to help you get prepared to do it. And then while we're doing that, we need to be cautiously aggressive so that we stay injury free, but we get the biggest bang for our buck when we're training. So, so can we break this down a little more, uh, which is uh, within those, what are typically, you, you said that um, you, there would be key workouts, uh, which are the ones where you would, uh, you would probably within quotes go aggressive, but the rest of the training would be probably in the, in the cautious bucket, right? So what are some of these, uh, uh, what are some of these uh what you call aggressive or workouts, which, you know, give you a big boost that you have seen helping runners. 
Yeah, so we typically do it in a sequential fashion. So early in the training, what we would call base training, that's where we're doing workouts that are leg speed oriented. So we're trying to work on running form and your ability to have a faster cadence. So that would be a workout where we would go and we would try to excel. We also do some what we call steady state runs. They're sort of a little bit slower than a tempo run, kind of a easy medium effort. So a little bit faster than your regular run, but not to where you're getting out of breath. Those we do early in the training. So those are two workouts in the week that we would focus on. Okay, let's really go for a high performance there. Then we go to a hill phase typically. And obviously on the hill workouts, that's where you're putting your big emphasis. And then once we get into race specific training, it's a little bit dependent on the athlete and what they're training for. But it could be anything from speed workouts to stamina workouts like a tempo run or cruise intervals, these sort of medium effort runs to sprint workouts to goal pace workouts and goal pace workouts are our number one workout that we put the sure. most emphasis on. Uh, if you're getting ready for the marathon, then obviously the long run becomes important for some people. It's the racing. Maybe they're doing a tune up series. So we put a lot of emphasis there. So any of those things that are kind of outside of just a regular easy run for time or distance those are the ones that we put the most emphasis on. And what you find with athletes is that if they put the emphasis there, then they run a, more appropriately on their easy days. Because a lot of times what happens is somebody starts to get fit. They can run faster on their easy days. So they start running faster on the easy days because they love the results. They look at their watch and see the faster pace. But over time, the musculoskeletal system gets fatigued. So when we have the focus on these more specific workouts, usually keeps people from overtraining on those recovery or easy days, and that helps them stack those uh, consistent training. Because if you can just stack it together, the body works on this cycle of a stimulus, a response, an adaptation. So you just want that happening over and over because that stimulates our genes to to build a faster you, ultimately, you're just trying to replace a slower you with a faster you. And that just takes a little bit of time. Okay. Uh, let's move on now to the, uh, the running calculator. Uh, so first, first question is, how did you go about developing the calculator? It, it is clearly a bit different from the you know, umpteen number of other calculators out there. You ask a few questions, which we will also get into. Uh, but overall, how did you structure the running calculator? Well, as you mentioned early on, I've been really lucky to work with a wide range of runners, some runners that were much slower than I am and some that were much faster than I am. And so as a result, I needed a tool to be able to prescribe the exact paces for those different runners. Because as you know, looking at the paces for somebody who's much slower or much faster than you, you don't know how that's going to feel to them. So I needed a tool and I was studying exercise physiology. So we were testing athletes in the lab. So I started to get this idea of the optimal training zone, the paces for different runners to be in the right zone for any type of workout. And as a result, it was just selfish on my part that I needed it for my own coaching. I needed to say, you're this type of runner. What are your paces? versus this other runner. So that's why I created it was just to take what I was studying and my research in exercise physiology, real world performances that we were seeing, blend those two together and to have one tool that you could just answer a few questions 
and it would provide you the exact training pace range for any type of workout that you did. So you would know you're getting the optimal training stimulus and then also be able to predict your race performances because if you're working with somebody as a coach and they're going to run a 10K, you want to have an idea of what's a realistic pace for them. So that's why that's kind of how the calculator developed. And again, it was only for me as a coach. I used to have a, I still have the binder with all the spreadsheets on it, but then converted it onto the web and it just became really popular. And I'm so happy because it allows athletes to kind of narrow it down, get in the ballpark, as you would say, to where they kind of have an idea of what's appropriate for them. So coaches and runners use it, and that makes me so happy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as I said in the beginning, it's it's clearly one of the most widely used calculators uh, in the world. So, uh, in one of the questions you ask, in fact, I think it's the you know it's the it's the second question or. Uh, which uh, asks the athlete to classify themselves uh, one of a new runner, an intermediate runner, or an advanced runner. How do how can somebody answer that uh, that question in the sense? Uh, is it? Uh, I mean, a new runner is relatively easy to understand, but how do you make that distinction between new to intermediate and intermediate to advanced? Is it based on the number of years they have been running? Or is it based on the number of kilometers they have been doing or in the recent past, let's say last six months, one year? Or is it a combination of these things? Uh, so just want to know how, how, how you think is the right way to answer it. Yeah, it's a really good question because what we've found over time is that runners are really good at self-selecting what they are. And so obviously, if you're a new runner, that's easy. You haven't been running. You're just new to the sport. You've kind of new. And then advanced is also, you know, really experienced, somebody that's been training and racing for quite a while. But that intermediate is the one that is the most tricky. And that's usually somebody who they've been training for a while, maybe two or three years, and they're running maybe three to five days per week on average, and they do some racing, but they probably feel that they haven't, you know, they haven't fully trained. They don't feel like they understand training as much as an advanced runner would be. So it's sure. kind of an easy way for people to self-select. Okay, I'm new to the sport. Okay, I'm I'm intermediate. I'm sort of, I've got the handle on it, but I feel like I could be better. And advanced is usually somebody that's performing really well. They've seen their performances increase over time and maybe now plateauing a little bit as they get closer to their potential. We're just trying to get another little nugget. It doesn't have to be exact, but it just, again, it kind of puts them into a bucket, if you would, of like, this seems reasonable for that athlete. Okay. Okay. No, that's, that's very, uh, that's quite, uh, quite helpful. The other question you ask in the calculator is uh, that, you know, to choose uh, between whether you are an endurance monster or a speedster or a combo runner. Now, how do somebody evaluate themselves to answer, evaluate themselves and then answer that question? Yeah. That will... Okay. One more, one more question yeah. there, which is, and uh, is it your experience that a lot of people, uh, then choose the middle path and say, I'm a combo runner without <laughs> really being convinced about it or knowing what, what, what it entails. 
that this question was really a big breakthrough for me as a coach because okay. you know as a young coach you're just sort of a robot you're just trying to to be like a plus b equals c and you're trying to do it that way and soon it started to come out and of course i was i was mentored by some of the greatest coaches on the planet and so it was i had a a quick uptake of this information but you began to see that the unique physiological and psychological traits of the runners can be very different, even at the same performance level. So you can have two runners that race the same. They have the same performance level. But how, the, how they respond to and adapt to the training can be very, very different. And that's where I started to kind of come up with this idea of, well, there's kind of like three types of runners. There's there's most of us and we're kind of combo runners. We're sort of equally good at, you know, speed workouts as we are at long runs. We're equally good. If you put your numbers into the calculator, you'll see, oh, my 5K, my 10K and my half marathon marathon. They're kind of all match up for the, from the predictions. But some of us start to see, well, I'm skewed a little bit. I'm better at the shorter races and more of the speed workouts and I suffer in the longer races, that's how I am. I'm more of a speedster. But then my training partner, he's more of an endurance monster. He performs much better in these longer continuous runs than he does compared to me in the shorter, faster workouts. And understanding that about yourself, and this comes from experience. There's no way to know un until you actually train. Once you know this, we can then tweak the training. And that's why you see my training plans. I have, this is for a speedster. This is, this is a half marathon plan for a speedster. This is half marathon plan for a combo runner. This is a half marathon plan for endurance monster. I learned that you could tweak those programs just slightly. And each type of runner would have a better experience because the plan better matched the runner. So you're not trying to force the runner under the plan. The plan actually meets the runner. So what I typically say is if you're unsure, go with combo, do the combo plan, but be very attentive to how you feel while you're doing it. So as you do the shorter, faster workouts, how does your body feel? How do you feel? Do you run toward the fast end of the pace range or do you suffer and run toward the slower end? Sure. That, that yeah. starts to tell you what type of runner you are. What do you like? What do you not like? These are all clues to give you an idea. So after you go through a combo plan, you should come out of it and be able to say, wow, on the whole, I liked the shorter, faster workouts. Okay, maybe I'm more of a speedster. Or I did not like those. Those were really challenging for me. Maybe I'm more endurance watch. So then the next time you can choose that different version. I do that all the time. And typically what we see is they have success in the combo program because they need the experience. They learn about all the different workouts. And then the next plan, their fitness really takes a jump because they've selected the plan that suits them best. So it's really just a simple way to try to get a person to understand them, uh, their physiology and psychology. And when you get that matched up, the training goes really well. Uh, plus, uh, one of the things that you touched upon, 
uh, which I think it will, if if you are, as you know, if you are going to look for an outcome as to cl- correctly classify you after a training cycle, you will also end up paying a lot of attention. And I, I know that word really caught, you know, caught, uh, you know, stood out for me because a lot of us, you know, go through a training cycle. Yeah, sure, we may pay at- attention to a few workouts, but if there is there is something also in terms of classifying you at the end of that, which is there. You know, you are probably going to pay a lot more attention for uh, for some of these uh, some of these workouts. Well, uh, that's why as a coach, the first question I'm always asking is, "How are you feeling? How are you feeling?" So I want to know during the workout how they're feeling, after the workout how they're feeling, the next day how they're feeling, and the next day how they're feeling. That's just data that I'm collecting. And the runner needs to do that as well. As you say, that's valuable information that you're going to forget by the time you get 10 or 12 weeks down the road. So you need to to make some notes about that as you train so that then you can go back and kind of self-select, identify a little bit. So I think being attentive while you're training is really important. Before moving on, I wanted to request uh, all the listeners to please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. It will only take you a couple of minutes, but it will help the show enormously and help other listeners to discover the show. So please do take a couple of moments to go and leave a rating and review on either Apple Podcasts or iTunes. If you are using another app which allows you to leave a comment or a rating or review, like for example, CastBox, please do that either. We also request you to please check out the website runfitraj.com and also if you have any comments or suggestions to please write to me directly at runningandfitnesswithraj at gmail.com. You can follow all podcast related updates on Instagram at the handle runningandfitnesswithraj or on Facebook on the Facebook group Running and Fitness with Raj. Now let's get back to the show. So uh, the next question is, see, a lot of the uh, listeners actually are half marathon and marathon uh, type of runners. Uh, we, unlike in the US, uh, for example, uh, in, in, in India or this part of the world, we do not, for a variety of reasons, have too many 5K or 10K events. So what I have observed, and it's probably true even in my case, is that we you know, we seldom train for a dedicated block for a 5K or a 10K, but do, you know, pretty committed training, whether it's for a half marathon or a marathon. Uh, So two parts of uh, two questions uh, uh, here. One is, uh, what is your view on if you want to improve your speed in, uh, let's say, a half marathon or a marathon, how important in your view it is to do a structured training in the 5 and 10K? And how important is that speed uh, then translating to a longer endurance, which is what the half marathon and the marathon is? Yeah, it's a common issue that we came into in the U.S. as well when the marathon boom really happened was that people were just training for marathon after marathon after marathon. And of course, you immediately you improve, but then you plateau. And when that athlete plateaus, that's a sign that that system has reached its peak for the time being and you need to do something else. So I'm a big fan and this is what I was taught is that you need to have a blend of everything. And if you do too much too often for too long, the body just adapts to it and it says, okay, I'm not going to adapt anymore. So that's why I like the idea of inserting either a speed plan. So I have speed modules that you insert 
into your longer distance plan. So we get fast first and then yep. carry that new speed into the half marathon or marathon plan. So I like that sequence a lot where athletes are, are doing some targeted speed work or they take a season or a, a training segment and they say, I did a marathon in the fall. And so now I'm going to focus on 5K, 10K in the spring, try to get faster. And then I'm going to come back to the marathon later. So one of the things, if you want to keep improving as a runner across your lifetime is make sure you have that variety. So certainly you're going to have to do longer running and a little slower running to get ready for a half marathon or a marathon. But I think, I think that it's not mutually exclusive that at some point in your training year, you can't focus on getting a little bit faster. It doesn't have to be complicated. It just needs to, you need to have that in you because that faster training provides some really great adaptations that help you in the longer training. Your running economy improves, so you're more economical at your longer distance paces. You also get more muscular strength, so that helps you with your injury prevention when you start to train for longer things. You mentally suffer, so if you do yes. speed workouts, you suffer mentally. It's a different type of suffering than you get at the end of a half marathon or a marathon, but to sure. our brain, suffering is suffering. It's something that if you get used to it, it doesn't kind of create as much alarm as, uh, as it would before. And it just, it sort of breaks up the variety, gives a rest to those other systems. So you have a little bit different focus. So for me, I love it. If an athlete can preface a half marathon or a marathon training plan with a little bit of faster work, kind of that 5k, 10k type training, carry that new speed. It makes race pace feel faster for half marathon and marathon. So sure. real benefit as well. So I like that. I think that's something that runners really, and usually, as you mentioned, it's somebody that two or three or four years into training consistently for the half marathon and marathon, that's really where they start to plateau in their performances. And if they want to get another boost, got to go away from that training for four to eight weeks, get faster, and then come back to it. That's a really great strategy. Okay, great. Uh, that's very, very clear-cut answer. So I, I hope some of the listeners will benefit from that direction. So uh, I want to talk about, uh, let's say, um, a, mar a marathon training plan, let's say a 16-week marathon training uh, week. And I know it's, you know, it, it, this is a little bit of an open-ended question. Uh, and, you know, it's going to be specific to the individual. But what are some of, uh, what is like a typical training week uh, look like, uh, let's say, in the middle part of that 16 week in your training in your training plans. What are some of the easy workouts, and then some of the key workouts that uh, that will go into it? Yeah, kind of like I mentioned before, the way I build a 16 week plan is we sort of had our base at the beginning where we're just sort of building the basic fitness, and then we usually do some hills or some speed early in the plan, and then we get into the race specific training. In the race-specific training, usually every week or two, I'm going to do some sort of goal pace running. I like okay. a goal pace sequence across my training plans because usually a runner, they start a plan with a goal. They have a goal time. Maybe it's to break four hours, for example. So if that's the goal, then I want to do small goal pace workouts and sequence them across the plan. So they start really easy and accomplishable. 
and then they get longer and harder across the plan. This builds your confidence. So every week or two, there's going to be some type of goal pace running when you get into sort of the race specific training for the marathon. And then outside of that, we're building the other components that make you a better runner. So we would have a regular long run, something where you're just running for time or for distance that we don't care about pace so much. We just want you to kind of get really tired. <laughs> That's a good yep. training uh, stimulus. And then we alternate with a fast finish long run. This is something where you would do, say, three to five kilometers at an easy pace, and then you would gradually increase your pace to your marathon pace and hold that for maybe 30 minutes to an hour. And then you finish the last five or 10 minutes really fast. So you're yep. sort of compressing what the marathon will feel like by yep. doing these fast finish long runs. And then the other workouts might be a speed workout for a speedster. It might be more of a stamina workout, like a tempo run or cruise intervals for a more endurance oriented runner, or it might be just an easy run. It okay. kind of depends on the person, but the way I think is very helpful for runners is to set your long runs up. So, you know, okay, I have to get ready for the distance. And then with the fast finish long runs, which you probably need two to four of those, I need to get ready for the suffering, the mental suffering. So yeah. those and, that's what and, and the sim and the simulation of what the last phase yeah. of a marathon would exactly. Feel like, right? Yeah. And the rehearsal. So you're eating everything you're going to eat. You're practicing your equipment, everything. It's like a full dress rehearsal. And then everything else is variety just to keep you kind of keep all the system sharp and yeah. respecting that the fatigue will accumulate across the training. So I put in what I call down weeks. So every third or fourth week, take a reduction in training volume by 25 to uh, 25 to 30%, excuse okay. me, 15 to 30% reduction in your training load every three to four weeks. You won't necessarily feel like you need it, but it allows the musculoskeletal system to kind of heal up and refresh. Also helps the brain refresh, and then you can kind of attack the next that, three that, or four weeks of training. Yeah, yeah that's I'm a great sure. sequence. So you're getting race-specific training with the long runs and the goal pace running. You're getting the variety to keep all of your systems up with the other types of workouts, but then you're also consistently training where you never get overly fatigued or injured. That's that rhythm of the training plan seems to work really well for runners. And again, I've got hundreds of plans. So you can yep. go on the website and, you know, kind of dial in exactly which plan for you, but that's the overall kind of strategy. Okay. Now, a couple of, uh, you know, specific uh, other type of uh, running uh, running uh, methods which people follow. And there is, a, you know, there are a lot of listeners who are either dabbling in or training exclusively, for example, with the low heart rate method. Now, what is your view on, in, on that? Uh, how, where should you use it? Should you be training exclusively on low heart rate? What's, what's your view on that? Well, like a lot of things in running, we take it too far, don't we? So the, the low heart rate training makes a lot of sense in certain situations, but it doesn't make any sense in others. And so it's really great for young, faster runners 
who need to spend some time developing their aerobic system. So their tendency is to run too fast, and particularly if their goal is, is longer races. That's why Phil Maffetone, he was sort of the one that really championed this idea, and I'm a big fan of his work. He had such great success with Ironman triathletes because they're training for an eight or nine hour event. They need to be hugely aerobically trained. So I find that the low heart rate training in that base period where an athlete tends to run too fast and they need to just relax and build that aerobic system, that's a great time to use it. Sure. But if you're in your marathon training and you need, you need to practice your marathon pace, then we don't care what the heart rate is. We don't use the heart rate to guide the pace training. If you want to achieve a certain pace, we have to run that pace. We might use heart rate as another sort of data point. So you say, oh, early in the training plan at my goal pace, my heart rate was 156 beats per minute. And now later it's 153 beats. Well, that's an improvement. Obviously sure. you're, you're improving. So I think with low heart rate training or math training, unfortunately people have, are using it a little bit outside of what it was designed to do. The worst situation for low heart rate training is for an older, slower runner who ends up having to run or sometimes even walk just to keep the heart rate down. And they just get slower and slower and slower. And I don't think Maffetone, the developer, is out there to help wanting you to get slower as an athlete. So that's a misuse of the low heart rate training. So again, when you're evaluating training systems, you need to see who was it designed for, who does it work best for, and what could be the negatives. So if I have an older runner who's slower and they're saying, wow, I'm really stumbling along to keep my heart rate that lower, I have to walk, then I say, no, let's not worry about that right now. Let's worry about getting your average training pace better by running by effort and breathing. Let's focus on that. Let's not worry about the heart rate. So again, it's not that it's good or bad. It's just the application can How be you good. Are exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that's the way everything is in running. You can see people are successful with all types of training methods. It doesn't mean that one's wrong or right. It's just how it's applied is important. But of course, these days with runners, we're a little bit goal driven, a little bit type A. So if it's like one thing's good, then more must be better. And that's what we have to guard against. Got it. Okay. The other, you know, recent development, which, uh, uh, which is, uh, you know, gathering uh, more and more attention is running power meters. Mm -hmm. uh, right. So is it something you have uh, looked at, considered in adopting in your training, if not exclusively, at least again, as a tool, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, all of our training plans can be used with power. So you can use heart rate, you can do pace, you can use power, you can just train by effort. Um, so it's definitely a system that people are using, again, to help put them in the right training zone for different sure. types of workouts. So within the training plans for easy runs, there's a certain power range that you should be in. If it's a tempo run, then here's a power range. So again, it's another tool that athletes are using to kind of overcome limitations in the other metrics. So if we look at all the metrics, we have effort, breathing, those two we always have with us, right? And yep. we have heart rate. We talked a little bit about that. Where it's hot and humid, probably where you live, heart rate's tough to use because the body is 
heart rate is not indicative of just the training load. It's also the heat load. We have pace, which can be great, but what about if it's windy or hilly yeah. and, or you're on trails? Pace is maybe not the best. We have power now. So we have these different metrics and you have to figure out for your situation, which one seems to work best. I like a variety, to be honest. I like effort and breathing primarily because everybody has it. It lets you get in tune with how you're feeling. Most people have pace just because the watches all have pace. Most people have heart rate because the watches all have heart rate. So you can kind of choose. And I think power over time, we're going to see, you know, which types of athletes really enjoy training by power more. Okay. And uh, where do you in your training, I mean, or what are your thoughts on supplemental training? Like, for example, strength training, where do you fit? Where do you advise your athletes to fit in? Uh, What's your thought? Yeah, all of my training plans include what we call prehab training. So that's core mobility and strength training. I think it's essential for runners to do that because the training process itself with the musculoskeletal system, the body actually stiffens the soft tissue. And that's a positive adaptation because you get more spring, you get more energy return. So that's a real positive thing that comes from running, but it can go too far and an area can get too tight. And then as a result, it begins to work in a dysfunctional pattern. And when you have dysfunction repeated over and over and over again, and obviously our sport is a repetition sport, Absolutely, um, that's where you see those injuries come in. So I'm a big fan of mobility work. I'm a big fan of core training. And I'm a big fan of runner specific strength training. And again, everybody's unique in what they like and how much they want to do it and what fits into their life schedule. But I think the injury rate with McMillan runners is significantly lower than the average for runners. And I think part of that is the training is smart. It fits into your life like we talked about. We have the down weeks to let the musculoskeletal system kind of catch up and not get overly fatigued. And then I'm telling them, you got to do a little work on your body along this training process so that everything keeps moving in the correct patterns. You don't have to have the flexibility of a gymnast. You don't have to be, you know, lifting weights all the time, but a little bit goes a long way at keeping you healthy and fit, particularly as you age so that you can stay injury free. So for mo- for my runners, I'm always trying to figure out, are they, in fact, in my new book, we go through this whole section of, you need to figure out what type of prehab runner you are. Are you the person that's like, I don't want to do any of that. I just want to run. Well, then we just have to have two or three exercises that you do. Maybe you love to go to the gym. Well, then we can be a little bit more extensive in our work. But for everybody, I think particularly on your areas that often get injured, most of us have a part of the body that gets injured most often. You've got to be doing some mobility and strength work on that area. If you do that, a little bit across a training cycle can really make a big difference at keeping injuries at bay. Okay, wonderful. Uh, Can you uh, help listeners uh, with some of the resources that uh, they can focus on from your website or otherwise uh, otherwise available? I would want to uh, link it in in the show notes as well. Sure, so macmillanrunning.com is my website. 
there. Yeah. That's where you find the calculator that we've talked about. It's where you find all the training plans are there. I have a full library of articles and videos that are on there that talk about various subjects. I have a YouTube channel, so you can go to the McMillan yeah. Running YouTube channel and obviously Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, it's all sort of there and available to runners to try to, you know, help them get a little better in their running. There's a free trial of the McMillan Run Team, which is my online training group. We have athletes all across the world that are training on the McMillan system together. You, you get your training plans, you get your prehab. I send a weekly check-in. How are you doing? You can ask questions, all of that. There's a free trial of that on the website. So the great, the best starting point is McMillanRunning.com. Sure. And can you also highlight uh, a few books or, uh, you, know, you know, your books, basically, where, where, can, where can people or, or which are the ones which people should keep an eye on? Yeah. So I have two main running books. One is called You Only Faster. That's available uh, on Amazon Kindle. So you can read it anywhere or in the U.S. You can get the physical book that talks about training plans and this idea of how do you tweak the plan to better fit you, what we were talking about with the Speedster combo and Endurance Monster. And then I just released Running Nirvana, which is my 50 top lessons that I teach runners as they're training. So they get more from their running. They have more of those awesome runs. They avoid injury. They know what to eat. They know the prehab to do. They know how to get into the right racing mindset. Again, that's available on, on Amazon Kindle or in the US as a physical book. And then I just think reading all running books is really helpful because you begin to get a view of what seems to fit you. What do you like? What do they say? And then you can see who was that for? Because like you said, I can read some running books. I can say, that's not going to work for me. I know enough about myself after almost 40 years of running that I know that won't work for me, but it might work for this other person. So I'm always open that there's no one way and I'm just trying to explore. Understood. And are there outside of your resources, which, as I said, I'll be linking in the show notes, uh, are there any favorite books, blogs, podcasts, YouTube channels that you would like to recommend? Yeah, I think that it's hard to say any one because there's so many good ones now. <laughs> sure. I feel like, uh, I mean, you've got a podcast, so, you know, check your podcast. I mean, there's so many. So as you begin to explore, YouTube is a good starting point to start exploring you start to find who do you like who's delivering the information and that usually leads you down the rabbit hole of a podcast a book or something like that i think that there's just so many great authors now that are producing works matt fitzgerald is one of my favorites i think he does a great job at producing good works that are across a variety of different things but to be honest you just gotta you know do a little time searching and you'll start to find the different resources. Just always be cautious to know what's the viewpoint of the person writing it. Who are they writing it for? Because sometimes you might have an article that's written about the training of an elite athlete. And I've coached Olympians. I know that training. And then you'll have a newer runner saying, well, I need to do that training. That's where the mistakes happen. And so Take everything with a grain of salt and make sure you're reviewing it as to who it's kind of written for or produced for. 
Sure. In fact, we have had uh, Matt Fitzgerald, Alex Hutchinson already yeah. on the on the on the podcast. Patrick McEwen of Oxygen Advantage. So yeah, some of some yeah. of these famous authors have been there on the podcast. So thank you so much for your time. Uh, I will, as I said, link all your contacts for the listeners to follow you and your and your work. Uh, thanks a lot for all the work you are doing for us uh, runners. We all all over the world are benefiting from it. So keep doing it and thanks a lot for your time. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And best of luck to everyone with your training. And as always, if I can help in any way, just let me know. Thank you very much to all the listeners. Please check out the podcast website, runfitraj.com. That is R-U-N-F-I-T-R-A-J.com. It has all the podcasts, it has all the show notes, and there is a very useful search function as well. You can reach out to me on my social media handles, which are Running and Fitness with Raj on both Instagram and Facebook. And you can also email me on runningandfitnesswithraj at gmail.com. Please let me know if you have any questions or specific guests you would like to see on the show. I also request you all again to please subscribe to the podcast and spread the word. Please also leave a review on iTunes as it will help enormously to grow the show. We will continue to bring you exciting and interesting guests and give specific and actionable advice. Stay safe, stay healthy. Until the next show, goodbye.